Okay, hello. Welcome to episode 276 of Sack Kings Therapy. Uh, We're coming to you a day after the Milwaukee Bucks beat the Kings in Golden One Center. Uh, the, the episode is coming to you a little later than usual because we were at the game. And uh, it was a doozy, wouldn't you say, Fong? Yeah, I'd say so. I'm not going to lie. I didn't expect that many Bucks fans in this arena to begin with. But, I mean, most of it is still Kings, of course. Uh, I don't know. We went to the OKC game, and, like, there was a lot of OKC fans. So I'm, I was expecting I don't remember even seeing that many Bucks fans. Like, you know, they're sporadic, and, you know, like, it's it's. I don't think it's as bad as, like, other games that we've been to. Hmm. Yeah, I could see, I guess it I guess it depends on where you're sitting, but it, it just felt like there was more bucks energy, if you could say. I would not say that because we I we I walked into that arena. Now you were able to attend the Pelicans and the Timberwolves game. So you've actually been in the arena since All-Star Break. Now, the last game I went to was the uh, first Mavericks game in which we lost uh, to the Mavericks. But now, it feels like the the sweltering of energy is how I would like to describe it. Just the, the pen, not, I, would it be pent-up energy, but like the energy that had been building up the entire season, like this anticipation for the playoffs. Like it's it's reaching its peak. It's reaching its like peak right now. In terms of just the atmosphere, the energy, like the vibe around it, and like this is all good. Like I'm not saying any of this is bad. It's it feels like I'm like describing it in a bad way, but like there was just a a crazy collective king centric energy. I thought that like I felt as soon as I walked in. Like there were more people. We'll talk about like they 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 added like this extra section like next to the NBC set that you apparently can rent out. But like, there's a lot more people. The people seem more like in, engaged, which is pretty incredible. We've been to Kings fans. We've seen Kings fans before, but not at this level. Like, there's this extra energy that, as soon as I walked in and during the game, it was incredible. It was deafening in there, and yeah, just overall, just an incredible vibe now. Oh yeah, I mean, at this point, I think the Kings fans got what they <laughs> were waiting for, and that's you know. The playoffs and we're i mean knock on wood hopefully somehow we don't end up out of the playoffs but i mean like we said in previous episodes we're in that kind of comfortable position to say that we're we're here to stay and we're here to game prepared for the playoffs and we're playing in uh whatchamacallit very i want to say playoff way Especially against the you know the Milwaukee Bucks, who you know former champions and a very tough team to beat. Uh, being what now as of right now, fourteen game streak. Maybe no, that, that, no, it's already it's already over. Oh, it's been, already over. It's been over. It's been over for a while. Well, oh, not for a while. It's been over for like a good week. I want to say. Really? Oh, dang! I I am lost in the NBA. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, they so the Milwaukee Bucks before this game, uh, Giannis was questionable. Uh, he ended up playing and yeah, he made an impact, you could say. So, anyways, let, let's get into the game. Like, crowd was incredible, it was deafening in there. Uh, so the game basically opened up and you saw the Bucks' game plan right away. 
And it is basically, we are going to pack the shit out of that paint. We have Brooke Lopez back there. And, you know, for whatever reason, if he can, if he's not, he's not down there protecting the rim, Giannis is creeping somewhere near the rim. So that basically left Barnes wide open for a lot of shots. Now he hit some shots in the first, in the first uh, half, but I felt that it wasn't enough. And I had said like Barnes is going to be key in the second half. We'll get to that in a bit, but Giannis, he was questionable coming into this game. He, he, I believe it was a sore left wrist or sore left hand, I think was what they listed as. I think his hand is fine because he was dunking on everybody this game. And poor Harrison Barnes. Just, just like, I'm like, I'm kind of like, I guess we're fortunate that, you know, Giannis didn't do the too small thing the entire game because that's basically what it was. Everyone was just too small for him. I mean, pretty much the whole Milwaukee Bucks team was too big for us because, I mean, yeah, Brooke Lopez, who's, yeah, surprisingly still bigger than Giannis, and then you still have Giannis. And then there's, uh, like, people like Chris Middleton and uh, uh, Bobby Portis out there, you know, being uh, pretty big people as well. And, you know, credit to Sabonis. Like, Sabonis I thought was great this game. A really good triple-double. What, 20? Let me see. 20, 20... Yeah, 23, 23, 17, and 15. Like, and, you know, we just talked about how big Brooke Lopez is. Like, we saw him, in, I saw him in per. like, of course, we saw him in person. But, like, that's a big-ass dude. And Sabonis went right at his chest and scored on him. And he also, like, dug into his bag. <laughs> like, he, you know, he used his right hand this game. Like, he was just doing all these, like, really tricky finishes around Brooke Lopez. Like, really impressive scoring game from Sabonis. Yeah, I was I was kind of afraid of their uh, paint, or Milwaukee's paint defense because they are they're a big team, and I wouldn't be surprised if you know we couldn't uh, we weren't able to score in the rim at well. But I'm surprised that Sabonis took the challenge and actually scored probably more than half what I expected to go in. Yeah, again, just like tricky finishes around the rim. And also, seven or ten offensive rebounds this game. That's one of the uh, criticisms about Brooke Lopez, uh, like, early on in his career. And, it, I mean, it's not as big of a deal now just because rebounds just aren't what they used to be. But, like, he just he's just beasted, or Sabonis just beasted on, uh, on Lopez, who just really didn't go hard enough after the ball. And Sabonis, like, gobbled that shit up so, so much. Um uh, and then uh, I talked about how the Bucks' defense, like they were going to give up threes and the Kings took on that challenge in the first half. They made, let's see, I have it here. Oh, God damn it. I, I did not write it. They had 11 threes basically. And I believe it was on 24 attempts. They, they were firing from downtown and they were taking up that challenge and they got a, I believe it's 15 or 16 point lead in the first half because of it. And you know, it looked like they were going to be able to upset the former champions. Yeah. I mean, sadly, we kind of, you know, weren't hitting as many frees in the second half. But, I mean, it's what we have to do to win against a guy that can pat the paint like the Bucks do. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll get to the second half in a bit. I, I loved, like, the defense that De'Aaron and uh, Davion played on Drew. Drew only had 11 points. But, you know, a lot of that was focused on guarding De'Aaron. And, you know, but do credit like Davion and uh, Fox for playing really good defense on him overall. Like you talk, it's not just that the forwards on the team are big on the Bucks. They're like Drew is a strong motherfucker. 
Like he is a guy that will bully like smaller point guards. Now he didn't do it. He didn't do it that much this game, but like he's so goddamn strong and he will punk like, you know, point guard size guys and credit to De'Aaron and Davion for holding, holding up very well against them. Uh, Middleton, he was, he was very sluggish in the first half. He missed a, a ton of open shots. Couldn't really get to a spot. And this is one thing that, I do love about Keegan's defense, even though he wasn't great on defense. He kind of, like he kind of got picked on a little bit, but Keegan was very physical with Middleton. And I am looking forward to, again, just how he grows over the years. Cause right now he still doesn't really know how to play NBA basketball yet at a high level, but like there's a, there's so many things that he does well already that I'm so looking forward to how he grows. Oh, yeah. And same with, uh, you know, Sabonis. I mean, Keegan took up the challenge. He went to guard one of the greatest or one of their better uh, players in that team, and that's Middleton. Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's just a quick halftime stat. Uh, Giannis had a very, very casual 21 points at the half. <laughs> he uh, Now, for, well, one thing was he, he scored 19 points in the first quarter, only two points in the second quarter. He would he would continue to score in the second half. 10 for 13 in the first half. Sabonis at the half, 17.77 rebounds and eight assists. So yeah, he was go he wasn't gunning for the triple double, but like he was feasting. Mm, oh yeah. And then the second half, unfortunately, the, the threes that the uh, Kings were hitting in the first half, they started going cold. They only made three threes in the entire quarter. And the Bucs started to hit their threes. Chris Middleton started to wake up. And also, the Bucs' size started to get to the Kings. Like, because the Kings weren't hitting their shots, they weren't able to kind of play their game. And kind of in a similar manner of what the Knicks did, they kind of mucked up the game a little bit just with their size and just, you know, over overwhelming size and physicality. And that's how they kind of got back into the game. They even took a lead briefly in the third quarter before I think it was tied going into the fourth, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. oh yeah anything to add uh well other than uh what you have said uh i felt like darren not gonna lie i i know he's an okay free point shooter i just wish he didn't take as many as he did this game i mean they let him shoot from the arc no doubt about it i mean he went five or twelve mm-hmm. um mostly in the first half and you know mostly in the fourth quarter as well but it seemed like every shot he made in between just wasn't doing its justice and i felt like we should have kind of i guess drove in a little more i I know that the bucks defense packs the pain and it's tough to get a easy bucket but i felt like we cannot rely on the free when uh we got ourselves uh pretty much going in the first half and uh whatchamacallit, up by, uh, what's our biggest lead again? 15. Against, yeah, 15. Or 16, I don't remember. I, uh, I'll have to check. But, I mean, that's kind of the plight of this. I mean, that's what makes Milwaukee tough. They're go- they, you're not getting inside. Well, you're, you can try and get inside. Whether you finish is a whole other like, you know, proposition. They want you to shoot threes. They're going to dare you to beat them from three. And, you know, you know, de- like De'Aaron shot 12 threes this game. Like, you know, more than most, more than like he shot most games. And he was five for 12, which isn't bad by any means, but he was taking what they were, what the defense was giving him. I thought he wasn't forcing it. Now, sure, like, you know, I, I don't want him settling for threes, but when you have Drew Holiday on your tail, 
And then like for, you know, for the few times that he did get by him, you know, you have Brooke Lopez waiting there. It's tough to score down there. So I get what they were going for, but you know, sometimes, you know, like it's a make or miss league and they needed a few more makes from three in order to beat the Bucks. Oh yeah. Surprisingly, I forgot. Not many free throws from this game as well. I mean, 50 attempts from our side and, uh, well, 22 from their side. That's actually a decent amount. Well, you just mentioned, like, they protect the paint. They don't, like, by, you know, how do you protect the paint? You block the shot or you prevent it from ever getting there. So, you know, you know, by stopping the ball from getting inside, the Kings just aren't going to get that many free throws. And, you know, you have, you have, like, you know, reputational uh, benefits by being the Bucks because, you know, uh, Brooke Lopez is a, elite level rim protector Giannis is an elite level rim protector so they're going to get the benefit of the doubt on some contact too so mm. that's just how it is and then on the Bucks' side I'm surprised they didn't have more free throws because they have a foul magnet in Giannis Antetokounmpo only seven free throws so I guess that was a benefit but he was he was dominating like he didn't even need free throws <laughs> oh yeah um so ultimately it became a really uh strong back and forth game now the the Bucks got like a slight cushion. Like they would usually hover around like one possession, like th- up three or up four. But the Kings, like during that stretch, just could not get a stop. They would be able to score pretty well. Like Kevin Herter went molten lava hot. He he had eight threes this game, and I think like at least like four or five of them were in the fourth quarter. But because they couldn't get a stop, and the again. They just don't have the size to keep up with the Bucks. Like Giannis, like they, he was absolutely unstoppable um, in the fourth. And then, you know, on the other hand, like there's Brooke Lopez, who's just too, you know, also too big for really like anyone other than Sabonis. Like it was just, it, they simply just overwhelmed the Kings. And, you know, the Kings had some, you know, costly um, defensive, defensive miscommunication. There was one where, uh, Barnes and Fox couldn't get on the same page on where the switch onto Middleton or not. And Middleton hit a wide open three. And then, and then I believe they were down, they hit a three to get, you know, go down or cut the lead to six, but Grayson Allen just breaks away for a fast break dunk out of nowhere, you know, like just simple defensive miscues. Like those things can happen. It's just something that sometimes it does happen, but you know, it does show you like, I guess, you know, the Kings aren't a championship level team yet. Whether that's what you expect from them is a whole nother like equation, but like they were like, you know, going toe to toe with this team, I thought. And honestly, to to a certain degree, like it's disappointing to have the loss, but I'm okay with that. Like you lost to a championship level team that you had no business. Like, honestly, like honestly, I don't think like if you just put on paper, like, I thought the Kings didn't have any business being in this game against the Bucks. Do you agree? Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I thought it would be more of a blowout, to be honest, going against the Bucks. Well, if, oh, I, 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 I would disagree just because the Kings have been playing so well. But go ahead. But uh, like having the, you know, one of the best defenses against the one of the best offenses, I mean, it's either you pull out full on offense and you know hope for the best when it comes to defense against a a guy like Giannis because my goodness like we said before he he just went off on us 
And, and again, like I, the, the Kings just didn't really have a guy for him. Like they actually tried out what I would, what I thought would be the answer was putting some bonus on him, and that actually that really didn't work as well as I thought it would. But like one guy that I thought did have some success, but we'll get to him in a little bit. Like Trey Lyles, like being really physical with him, having just enough size to like not completely be overpowered or blown by. Like it, the. But other than that, like, they just don't have a guy to really be able to hold Giannis one-on-one. And then, you know, he had 46 points, okay? Like, let's not get it twisted. It took 46 points for from Giannis to be able to beat the Kings. And then also Chris Middleton also had to, also, like, had an amazing game. I didn't, it, it, now he hit some big shots, but I didn't realize he had 31 points and nine assists. Really good stat line. And, and you know, tw- and 23 from Brooke. And you look down the list, no one else on the Bucks played that well. But it took a mammoth effort from those three guys to, to be able to beat the Kings, to be able to keep up with the Kings. And, you know, I'm okay with I'm okay with this. Like, I can take this L because, again, like, on paper, you you would almost say, like, you know, of course, I, I just said, like, the Kings haven't played well. But, you know, on paper, like, who was going to guard Giannis? Like, is it a surprise Giannis almost went for 50? No. But the Kings were right there with them. And that that's honestly, to a certain degree, good enough for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is pretty much all experience, in my opinion. I mean, the next time we'll play against the Bucks, I feel like we'll have a, probably a better game plan. And, uh, you know, when it comes to Giannis, I, I, feel, I feel like we just have to let him cook anyway. Just got to stop the other guys. That's all we needed to do. So uh, I just, I guess I I guess like let's talk a little bit about the defense. So like the, their defense was what lost them this game. Like they scored well enough to be able to win, but just giving up one thirty three to the Bucks, like that's what lost them this game. Now like la- after last night, I came home. I, I listened to some uh, post game recaps, and you know I'm listening to J Street vibes, and Casey's going off about he's he's going off about like you know this is just one of those games where a guy goes off, and he basically just said. It, you know, no one, no other team can stop the Kings. And like, this is one of those exceptions where the Milwaukee Bucks are one of the only teams that can outscore the Kings. And he kind of, he basically like, honestly, it was a pretty annoying listen uh, him and Jason Jones <laughs> last night. I'm not gonna lie. But like, he basically dismissed the idea that defense matters. W- what do you think? Like the Kings' <sighs> defense matters. I'd say eventually. I feel like right now we're just trying to get somewhere and see where we're at. When the time comes, defense will have to play into a factor of, you know, contending at a higher level. But as of right now, since our offense is uh, really good, I think we should just play out how we are right now. And when the time comes, like I said, that's where we have to think about, yeah, defense will help us win more games. The, the Kings will have to fix their defense at some point because yeah. the reason why I say that, like their defense has to be better. Like you, the Kings have the best offense in history, like right? statistically. But if you watch the Kings, you'll always notice like, and there's a pattern with this, like, you know, in the Knicks game, the third quarter was when the King was when the Knicks got back into the game. And one of the reasons why is because the Kings will go cold sometimes. Like they'll just not hit shots. They'll get decent shots, but you can't make a hundred percent of shots. That's just not how basketball works. And their defense is just 
like they will start like letting the other team score. They will start getting more comfortable. And that's how teams get back into the game. It happens in every single, it even happens in the Suns game. Even I think the Kings had like a six point lead at the half. And then like, you know, the Suns slowly crept back into it. Like the Kings will need to play better defense. There, there's no doubt about that. That being said, their offense is good enough to like sustain, I think, for the long run. Like, do you think this is sustainable in the playoffs as well? Like the offense? Uh, I I definitely think so, to be honest. I feel like uh whatchamacallit, how I say this. The offense will carry us pretty much pretty far into the playoffs. When it comes to defense, it's just not uh, we just got to play good enough so David can't get any easy shots or uh, whatchamacallit. Don't let the role players, you know, get those kind of easy shots that, you know, will detriment our uh, uh, chance of winning. Okay. Um, all right. So uh, let's talk about the scuffle at the end. So um, it's, I believe there's about 15 seconds left. Giannis dribbles towards uh, Trey Lyles. And Trey Lyles takes exception to it and pushes Giannis. Uh, Brooke Lopez comes over at, to basically stand up for Giannis. And they and Trey Lyles, open palm, shoves Lopez. Lopez grabs him by the head. Uh, <laughs> Trey is choking, is trying to choke uh, Brooke Lopez. And yeah, we have our... And this was the first scuffle, first scuffle slash fight, uh, whatever you want to call it, that I've ever been at. Again, just talk about the vibe around the arena. The entire like arena stood up, like which was a pretty incredible scene. Pretty incredible thing to witness live, I'll say. Yeah, for a split second, I didn't even see what happened until everyone stood up. I was like, crap, what what what's everyone looking at? And all of a sudden you see a pile of guys trying to break up uh Wiles and uh whatchamacallit Brooke Lopez. So yeah, it was yeah, I don't, now that you mentioned it, I don't think I ever witnessed the NBA fight in real life, unless can't say about cousins back in the day. To be honest, the only one I can even remotely think about, and you know, looking back, it's a bit comical. Like it was KP um, when the when the Kings played the Knicks. Like I forgot who he even got mad at, but he stood up to somebody, but or you know, looked down upon somebody because he's so fucking tall, but. You know, like that's the only other scuffle. This was like this was like physical contact. Now, is it a fight? I wouldn't really say so. It's kind of what a modern fight is, but it, like I would not call this a fight. Hmm. Okay, my question to you: Was Trey in the wrong? He was basically the guy that kind of started it. You can make an argument that Giannis started it. Whatever you know, semantics. Was Trey in the wrong? <sighs> I felt like. I mean, yesterday I would have said that Trey was in the wrong. The more I watch it, I mean, yeah, it seemed like Giannis was trying to instigate something, but I felt like Trey shouldn't have bought into that. Uh, I guess um, what what how what's the word trick? I guess or like whatever Giannis was instigating. I mean, I felt like Trey should have known better that uh. Much of a con. He was gonna. I mean, it seemed like he knew he was gonna get uh something from this, and he knew he was gonna get the kind of punishment he may, will and may get, which I'm assuming is what a one game suspension. 
Yeah, nothing announced yet, but I assume it's going to be a one-game suspension. I'd be shocked if there's nothing that comes from this. Because, again, physical contact, dude's choking somebody, and then the other guy's trying to, like, yank the yank Trey's head off. Like, it, it, it's it's a bit much. I, do, I believe there's going to be at least a one-game suspension. We'll see. But, uh, so, I'll... I, Look, I, I've had a lot of time to think about this. Look, there's no way to really defend Trey in this one because you know what? Like the the guy did like sure, the guy disrespected you on the court. Like, sure, but you know, as as you gotta sometimes take the high road and you just gotta let it go, right? Mm-hmm. It, it like there's no way to defend that. Like, you know, he started he again, he was the one who was the first one to throw hands essentially however from look uh, if you were listen if you listen to the commentary from katie and kyle they katie brought up a fact brought brought up like she said if you have been covering a team this team for a long time in the past this is something that that you wish would you would see now what does she mean by that now, in, in there's an infamous moment in King's history a few years ago. Chimezi Metu uh, dunks on Jonas Valanciunas, and you know, quote unquote, gets his legs wrapped around, like wraps his leg around Jonas Valanciunas, who pulls him down and injures him. If you go back to that clip, you'll notice that no one stood up to Valanciunas. They they basically just let Chemezi Metu get get you know get put into a very dangerous position, essentially get punked the way he did. And let's not forget, he got injured on that play, and mm-hmm. no one stood up. To, no one stood up for Chemezi on that play. Now, and then you go back a little bit, and I had been read. And when Jason Jones was covering the team, he had he had brought up the fact that Dave Yeager said that this team in 2019 had a bunch of nice guys. And then you go into the next season, it's the same thing. Luke Walton says the same thing. He says, I got a team of nice guys. I don't have I don't have that, you know, that asshole essentially was what they were trying to say. Like someone who's going to who's to be the enforcer. And then you had Alex Len for a bit, but then he but then they didn't resign him next year. And the the point I'm trying to make is that the team the Kings during this stretch. Now I can't speak for the boogie years. I'm pretty sure a lot of people wouldn't fuck with boogie, but like I had just mentioned, this is the first fight I've ever seen live. And apparently this is probably the first fight we've ever had in the golden one center. Now during this era, this new era of the Kings, the, the King, the Kings have been shit. Okay. Like they've been the laughing stock of the, of the NBA. And then they also have kind of carried this new reputation that they are soft. You know, S-A-W-W-F-T, soft. <laughs> like, you can come up, you can rough up the Kings, and they're not going to do shit about it. So while Trey, while what Trey did, it's hard to defend, like, you know, with, like, under, like, no context. Like, you look at it like that, if he looks like a sore loser, who like oh just lost the game and now he's mad so now he wants to fight someone over it? Sure, you, sure you can you can have that perspective, but per, from the perspective of Katie Hunt, um, K- Katie Christensen or is it Katie Hunter? God damn it, uh, what that the announcers and Kyle Draper who have covered this team for an extended period, 
it's good to see someone stand up and not let not let the other team punk the Kings. Now, whatever you want to say about that dribbling disrespect shit, I actually personally hate that kind of like, you know, um, self, like, what, what's the word? Like, not moral victories, but like the grand, the grandstanding about like unwritten rules that, you, oh, you shouldn't do that. Like the unwritten rules stuff where you just like, you know, there's just some stuff you don't do to disrespect the game. I, I hate those rules. But at the same time, it is refreshing to see someone who, you know, like whatever Giannis, maybe Giannis said something. He definitely was like trying to be a little too cute with it. And someone just say, fuck that shit. I'm not putting up with this bullshit. Get the fuck, get the fuck out of here. You're not going to disrespect us like that. And, you know, in the post game, like De'Ara and Mike Brown, um, everybody was just like saying, we got Trey's back. You're not going to come in here and, and do that bullshit to us. We're not going to put up with that shit. So, like, finally, it's good to see someone standing up and making a statement that we're not going to get punked like this. You can you can beat us in a basketball game, but you're not going to straight up disrespect us. So that's kind of the that's kind of the stance I'm I'm taking. The Kings have fi- are finally shaking off that soft label, and this is another evolution in in this in this Kings team where you know again they're. Like they are fighting against the ghost of Kang's past and they're slowly changing the culture. And this is, again, another step in that direction. Uh, that's a good explanation <laughs> that you just had there. Uh, what was I about to say? I'm, are you kind of surprised that it, uh, it was Trey to be like one of the first out of all the rest of the guys to be that guy to kind of you know, stand up like that? Like, not really, just because I do remember there was a game, like, I think it was the Hornets. It, it, it was one of those comeback wins, and he fouled the shit out of someone, like, at the end for kind of no reason. Like, he has about a bit of an edge to him. Now, of course, if you watch, like, interviews with him, he's a very soft-spoken guy. And he and him, like, in the post game, even said, like, he kind of lost his mind a little bit. But to a certain degree, not really. Um, <laughs> He seemed, like... He's a physical guy. Like I just mentioned, like he was probably the best defender on Giannis because he was so physical and, you know, so active against Giannis. And to like, you know, looking at his demeanor, probably not, but like I've seen the way he plays sometimes. And he, I, not that, I'm not that surprised. Hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, whatever his punishment is, isn't going to be too severe because I'm definitely going to miss him off the bench. Not gonna lie, this is gonna be a take. I think Trey is the best player off the bench, in my opinion. <laughs> I I mean, when they said when you know after the forty was it forty five point game from Malik, people were like saying you know Malik should be the sixth man of the year, and I kind of looked at him with a side eye, like, yeah, you haven't watched a lot of Kings games, have you? Because sure, he can absolutely go off. There's a lot of games where he is silent, and you know. Mm-hmm. That, and that's unfortunately the thing with the six man of the year award. It's just whoever scores the most off the bench. But you don't look, but like, you know, the, voters simply can't watch all the games and they don't see like the little things that are done. Mm-hmm. Now, don't don't get me wrong. Malik Monk has some great nights and he has won the Kings a, a, a few a few games all on his own. But at the same time, like a guy like Trey Lyles who does the dirty work, I think should get way more credit for the six man of the year. But he, he's never going to be able to. Like, because that's just 
Like it, it, he, the things he does, like it doesn't show up on a box score and not everyone is going to watch every Kings game. Oh yeah, that's for sure. So yeah, hopefully, I mean, hopefully after all this, maybe it'll awaken the bench. Maybe it'll awaken the starters for the next few games until Trey comes back. And uh, hopefully the bench can, you know, I guess wake up <laughs> while he's gone because I, we're, we're definitely going to need the bench to uh, produce something, I feel. Look, look again, like, I, like you, I can't really defend Trey's actions. Like, you know, under uh, like under a very specific context that I just said, like that, that from that perspective, sure, you can defend Trey's actions. He is in the wrong here. He is the one who kind of, who started that scuffle. It is what it is. But like again, you take into context as a Kings fan. It's finally good to see someone again. You know, like stand up, stand up to guys who trying to pump the Kings. Oh yeah. And well. uh, and this is I imagine I imagine like if this is like legitimately going to be a next evolution in the king in the kings and their changing of their culture this is going to give the kings a, another edge for the next few games i i i'm i'm curious to see what next game is going to be like like are they going to play with even more attitude and more physicality yeah i definitely kind of want to see that kind of attitude from sabonis i don't think we see too much um like smack from sabonis i know fox uh, as of recently, seeing why he has a lot more to say <laughs> to the crowd when uh, we see him in games, and you know, like you know, credit the Sabonis for breaking breaking that fight up, like him getting in the middle of these two <laughs> these two giants, like that was pretty incredible. But like you know, the, Sabonis is not is like he's a physical dude. He's got that edge to him. He's not gonna fight guys, but like he is a physical. He's a physical ass. Yeah, and you mentioned like Fox has been talking talking a lot of shit. Like there's a new edge to this Kings, and I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what uh what happens um going forward. Oh yeah. And Eesh. one and one last thing, like I totally this just came to my mind. I this isn't th- that this wasn't a fight, but like you know the the Malik Monk scuffle with uh, Garrison Matthews earlier this season, and that was the guy that I had said like that guy has an edge to him, has an attitude to him, you know, and you know like the Kings. It's as good to get nice guys. Like the Kings have a lot of great, good character guys, but you need it. You need an asshole. You need an instigator on the team just to mix things up. And it looks like we've got that. Oh, yeah. Well, we shall see how this comes about. All right. Let's, uh, well, let's keep it King centric. But, um, that was, that was all we had for the game. But to keep it, um, on the Kings. So, it was an interesting Monday and honestly a very interesting week. I want to say it started over the weekend, but Monday was when I really started to notice that it was King's Appreciation Day. Everyone was showing the King's love, like all over Twitter. You had the you had Bill Simmons. He did an entire pod, like two-hour podcast. Like, granted, not the entire thing talking about the Kings, but there was a good like 30 to 40 minutes of him and Ryan Rosillo just talking about what a great story the Kings have been like, you know, whether or not they can make a run in the playoffs. Like they, like Zach Lowe did it, I think did it first. And, you know, like they were like saying there is a reality where the Kings could be in the Western conference finals. Well, I mean, once we get there, that's when we'll find out, I guess, but yeah, it's just hard to believe how much, success that we've gone 
thinking that you know we would only get you know ever so far like i forgot what seating we would have predicted us to be like i mean for sure we were expecting some sort of playoff spot but the second seat well now third but around second third seat that we've uh, fought our way through it's just ridiculous to imagine i mean like i thought the i thought the i thought the ceiling was a six seed and right now we've blown past that and you know and uh, again like they, they, this is a sturdy little secret that I don't hear enough people talking about. I'll, I'll go through some of the other ones, uh, some of the other uh, places that were shown the King's Love, like the Hoop Collective. Now, I'll, I'll say this. Um, ah, fuck, what's his name? Well, okay, so Tim Bontemps has, has always hated, like, he, he's been hating on the Kings, like, all, all the entire time, okay? Like mm-hmm. he it, he hated the Sabonis trade. He was hating on them in the uh in the in the preview. Tim McMahon was kind of a neutral party. Like he was more of just kind of like, um, uh, yeah, they could be something, but probably not. Um, who who's the third guy? Uh the fat guy. It'll it'll, it'll come to me randomly in the, in the in the episode. But um, he the the third guy had like been on the Kings and like he had been optimistic about you know some bonus and like what the Kings could be on offense, like he like credit to him and his name will come to me at some point. I swear to God, this is killing me right now. However, interestingly, JJ Redick made an entire like t- thirteen minute video of uh, apologizing to the Kings. It's a twenty seven minute video that has the second half of it just a black screen i don't know what the hell that was about but he basically went point by point highlighted about how good the offense is and how the kings can make some noise in the playoffs and then on the basketball buds they basic zach harper now granted he hasn't been hating on the kings he's been hating on jay king and one of the hosts so but he had said if the kings get into into a series with the warriors he doesn't know who's going to come out of that hmm Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that'll be an interesting series. But yeah, all this love. I'm I mean, not to say that, you know, <laughs> I wish we saw it earlier, but I mean, getting that kind of recognition now is just yeah, like I said, just crazy, especially on a national level. And of course, we gotta shout out Mark Spears. Like Mark Spears, Brian Windhorse. God damn, I don't know how I blanked out on that name. Brian Windhorse, I've been showing love to the Kings for a while. But the OG national guy that showed love to the Kings, Mark Spears. He, in the summer, had said that Keegan Murray is going to win the Rookie of the Year and the Kings are going to make the playoffs. Now, Keegan Murray probably isn't winning Rookie of the Year just because like that usually just goes to the rookie who scores the most points. So, And that's going to be Paolo. It is what it is. But he he was on the Kings, and you know I got I got to show him love, and yeah yeah like just you know I don't know I don't know what it was it was just it was just all love for the Kings because they have beat they had just beaten the Phoenix Suns and the Knicks so like that and you know of course the nat that was the national game against the Knicks and then right after that they followed up with you know a very in- crucial seeding um, game and. A crucial seeding game against the Suns, so like just all the positive vibes have been going to them. And uh, Lord have mercy, had they had they beaten the Bucks, like my God, that shit would have gone to overdrive. <laughs> yeah, uh, what you call? How was I gonna say this? I mean, I hope they just didn't watch, you know, 
the national televised Kings game and saw how good we are because I felt like there were other games that kind of showcased how like great we are. I felt like the catalyst to all this really, in my opinion, was when we beat the Nets. That's where it kind of started. But then when we beat the Clippers in this high offensive game, I felt like that took even more steps further. Like, sure. But at the same time, like, that Knicks game, I feel, was re Like, granted, like, yeah, the Nets game, you could, like, go back and start it. But, like, you know, the, the noise petered out pretty quickly, I thought. But, like, the Knicks game... Like, as much as, like, we internet nerds, like, oh, we pay attention to this, we pay attention to that. Like, you know, everyone has League Pass. The reality is not everyone has League Pass. A lot of people still watch TV, even though uh, NBA ratings are actually in the kind of in the toilet for the most part. Hmm. Like, a lot of people still watch TV. And, you know, not, not a lot of people are going to seek out Kings games. And so, like, if they when they're just, you know, when they happen to be on TNT, like in that slot, it is. It really is the first time that a lot of people have seen the Kings, and you know, it's. I guess this is kind of a shameful thing on some of the writers because, again, I'll give them some slack. It is. It is basically impossible to watch all thirty teams, and like, why would you, especially around the East Coast, why would you ever stay up to watch the Kings? Mm-hmm. Like that is actually probably the first time that a lot of national writers have seen the Kings. Like to be honest, yeah. I'd say so because, I mean, how many teams are there? Thirty-two, and uh, thirty right now. Thirty. They're they're Sorry. looking to add two more. Yeah, but uh, yeah, watching every single one of those games every single day. I mean, yeah, I could understand how tough it is, especially with us being, uh, you know, probably in the bottom of the list, being uh, how I say it, not as successful as other franchises, even though other franchises haven't you know, done as much, in my opinion, than we have uh, for this season. So, yeah, it's I, like, yeah, it's pretty nice to see, I guess. Yeah, it's nice to really get some recognition. Um, just, you know, like everyone, like, this is, I'm pretty sure this is a Homer-ass thing to say, but like, I feel like the, I feel like the league does better when small market teams like the Kings find success because it it is like kind of a grassroots movement. And now you have like that little, you know, small market that, you know, has not turned into assholes yet, like a la the Grizzlies. <laughs> and it's a great story to go up against the Goliath. Like as much as I don't want to see, say, the Lakers in the playoffs, like imagine just how much heat that series would have, like how good that would be for ratings. Yeah, it'd be pretty crazy. But, uh, yeah. The more I look at it, yeah, I'd not too excited to face the Lakers, but if, you know, the seedings are what they are up until, you know, playoffs come, we'll be facing the Clippers, which is, you know, another LA team. Yeah, but it's not the same. It, it's like, not. It, it's it, like, sure. There's like a, it, I call it like, that's hipster. That's the hipster version of the real, like, you know, sweet, the real, like, you know, the real juicy matchup, you know, because, you know, the, the history with the Kings and the Lakers, you know, there, there's a lot there that there, there's nothing with the Clippers. There, there just isn't. Um, okay. Anyways, um, so here's the dirt. Here's kind of the dirty little secret I feel with the Kings that not a lot of people are talking enough about. 
And this is kind of how you know, like a lot of these guys just start, just like maybe have just peeked over at the Kings or just started watching the Kings. They mentioned that Sacramento has an amazing home crowd and that they have an amazing home court advantage. I'm, I'm pulling up their, I'm pulling up their home record. Their home record is 21 and 14, which is not bad by any means. Their road record, let me check. Fuck, how do I actually check that manually? Uh, 19 and 13. 19 and 13. So their their road record is actually the best in the Western Conference. And they're actually the only, I think they're the only team in these in the playoffs or in the Western Conference that actually has a positive uh road record right now in the entire West. Am, am I correct in that? Uh if you don't count the Clippers being 18 and 18, which is pretty neutral. Okay, so so there's that. But there, but there's no doubt. We are the best road team in the Western Conference. Like, it's weird how we're not as good at home. But, like, the dirty little secret is Kings are a damn good road team. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, like, if you're, if you can win on the road and you have, and you know, you have a pretty good home, home court advantage, why can't they win a series? You know? Like I, I like at this point, I'm make I'm making like I'm not saying it will happen. I, like there is there is all the possibility in the world that they just lose in the first round. But but what if? I mean, what if is... things just break their way? Sorry, sorry to cut you off, but like, what if yeah. things just break their way? I mean, yeah, it is a big what if, but I mean, it's the true test to uh, what this team has become. And when the playoffs do come, I mean. It'd be a pretty good series every single game, regardless of being at home or not. Yeah, we just checked some of those uh, playoff tickets that are available. Uh, oh, it was pricey. That's gonna uh, that's gonna be interesting. But I, I, I but I, I do want to experience that environment. Like again, I should. We showed up to the to the Milwaukee Bucks game. That that atmosphere was incredible. Okay. Uh, uh, to to stick on us, uh, Bill Simmons. Uh, so Bill Simmons on that same podcast, he made a case for Fox. So so for Sabonis on All NBA, that actually make that makes all the sense in the world to me. But he he kind of made a pretty strong argument for Fox on the All NBA list. Hmm. I, I'm not gonna lie. Probably not gonna be first. Of course. Oh no. In my opinion. No. Uh, second, I'd say. It's possible, but it's tough. It's going to be real tough. Um, there's still a lot of uh, guards out there that uh, are, you know, as competitive. Uh, okay, okay, you say that. Who are the guards? Now, I assume you. I assume you didn't listen to the. I assume you did not listen to the Bill Simmons podcast. So I'm, I'm interested in what your ask, what your answer to that is. Ah, uh, shoot. Now I have to look up every single guard now. Oh no, no, no! Just think of the ones that come to your mind. So. If if I'm trying to think of you know the second, um, all st- or all NBA, sorry. Okay, so it's, let's let's just start with the the first two. Who would you have for the first two the the two guards on uh, first team? I still think it's Curry. Okay, Curry has missed a bunch of games. Yeah, Jaw. Jaws are gonna miss quite a few games. Yeah, Devin Book. Book missed a bunch of games. So let's not forget. Yeah, see the, seeing yeah. the theme there? I see. <laughs> You're making me second guess now. Uh, let's see. How about 
I gotta say another guy who missed quite a few games to Kyrie. I don't think he's going to just because of the weird the weird ass shit that happened. Mm. Like the the weird anti-Semitic stuff, the, the vaccine stuff from last year. I just don't think he's ever gonna win any award anymore. Uh, granted, would, he made all-star, like he might be 13. He he's missed too many games. I would also say Dame, but that's kind of borderline second, in my opinion. So that's the, that's another tough one. His team is shit, and they're losing to New York right now. Yeah, he's he's borderline second. Um, what you call it? All NBA. Uh, what you call it? Donovan Mitchell. Do- Donovan is a good one. He's also missed quite a few games. Jesus. <laughs> So you're uh, seeing the theme there. So I'll just cut you off. Like the other guy I can think of is Shea. But Shea kind of falls into the Dame category where, you know, like his team is quite shit. It's not his fault, but like his team is shit. So like you have like a perfect mix where Fox can actually probably sneak into second or third team where I never thought he had a chance because of just all the injuries around the league. And by the way, this is what Luca actually listed as a guard, which is. Yeah. whatever whatever sure. but like it's there is a pathway for him to make all and be a second team which is crazy to me <sighs> you have a good point not gonna lie i just hope that when the voting starts they kind of see that kind of factor which i'm highly doubting that they will in my opinion look with all this national attention that the kings are getting right now there's all the chance in the world that he can make all NBA. And Sabonis is probably a lock for a third team because it's gonna be it's gonna be Jokic. Mm-hmm. Either Jokic or Embiid, like they're gonna be on first and second. Third team, I I'm pretty sure is going to be Sabonis, which is actually bad for the Kings because uh that makes him super max eligible. So mm-hmm. that's a that's gonna be an interesting thing next season. Yeah, <laughs> I actually don't want to see how our uh money situation is when it for the next few years by the way simmons kind of turning like turning for like making an about face with the kings is actually pretty significant he advocated for trading fox for russ in the two picks earlier this season (laughs) he also during the summer said fox was one of the worst contracts in the league and so yeah, the fact that he's made he's made this about turn face, uh, significant to say the least. It just shows you how good Fox has been, how good the Kings have been, and how much of like validation that that this season has been. Well, that's good. Hopefully, more writers and uh, other people can see how you know successful the Kings are now that uh, I guess pretty much proven a lot of people wrong. Okay, um, so moving on, uh, Sabonis wins Western Conference Player of the Week. Uh, Joel Embiid wins the Eastern Conference. I don't have their stats with me, but they're good. Just trust me. Yeah. Um, Carmichael Dave mentioned that uh, that that this is the hundredth anniversary of the Kings. Now there are some weird technicalities to that. So apparently, the Kings were originally called. Oh God damn it! I don't have the page open. Let's see. They they started out as the Rochester Seagrams. Now that was not a professional team, and apparently the Kings at the I think the NBA only recognizes the Rochester Royals, which was when they first became a professional team. Which is why you're actually not hearing much about the hundredth anniversary. 
Jason Anderson even pitched this story to the sack beat, but they wouldn't let him write it. So really fortunate. That's unfortunate. So yeah, it is, it is technically the hundredth anniversary. You know, if you really want to celebrate that, but it is not recognized by the NBA. So does that mean we have to wait till what? 2045 for the budget 100th anniversary? Uh, I guess. Because you, if I remember correctly, when we were talking about it, 1945 was when the Rochester Royals became a professional team. Mm-hmm. That's what I just said a minute yeah. ago. Yeah. Oh, shoot. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it's nice to hear. I mean, probably won't get recognition until, yeah, like I said, 2045, sadly. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, a- anyways, uh, so I, I don't know if I've actually shouted out these two channels, but I, I had mentioned I grew up watching B-Ball Breakdown, and I've, I've, been, I've been watching a lot of Thinking Basketball. They've made videos on the Kings. Um, you can go find them. It's not that deep into the archives. Go watch those videos. It, like, those are really, really good in-depth videos of, like, just – how like the anatomy of how their offense runs like b-ball breakdown is more about like you know the more the micro like plays that the the plays and like set and kind of like offense that the uh that the kings run while thinking basketball is a lot more macro and a lot more historical just how he breaks it down really really good basketball channels uh if you guys do want to get into that yeah, just check them out on YouTube. Uh, B-Ball Breakdown, all one word, and then Thinking Basketball. It's spell it exactly how you how it sounds, basically. Oh, yeah. I don't know about B-Ball Breakdown, but it's it's pretty nice to see that Thinking Basketball has uh, done, I want to say, two? Two, uh, he, technically like three, because he has one like just on Kevin Herter, and another one even on Malik Monk, even. Mm. Um, yeah, so like, yeah, two, he had one breaking down the uh, Kings offense, and then one pretty specifically on the uh, 176 game that the, the Kings had with the Clippers. Hmm. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, I mean, okay. so, because after, you know, all these years, it seemed like, yeah, I only could remember maybe one other, like, Kings-related video before, you know, this season, to be honest. Yeah, it was like one with, uh, they was breaking down De'Aaron. I think that was legitimately the only video. <laughs> <laughs> maybe De'Aaron and probably also Sabonis oh, oh no no came. Bagley no Bagley he bo- he did one on Bagley no I don't think he did one on Sabonis ever oh no now that you mentioned Bagley yeah I do remember the one with Bagley uh well look how it turned out now yeah um well anyways uh so yeah that's all we have well all I have uh for to say about you know the Bucks game and what has been a very good week uh, for the Kings. Um, so, anything else you uh, want to talk about? Well, as always, let's hope we keep this up. I mean, we have a back to back games with uh, Chicago uh, tomorrow, and then Brooklyn on Thursday, and then I want to say Suns on Friday. Was it Suns? Suns on this Friday? Shoot. I swore we had a game on Friday. I guess not. No, it's Washington. Washington, right? Yeah. Washington on Saturday. I don't know why I thought Suns was coming up next. We I mean we do face the Suns one more time. I know that. Yeah, I just don't remember when. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, so March 24th on a Friday. Mm, okay, so next week. Mm-hmm. So next Friday. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I mean, I feel like these are uh, pretty uh, winnable games, I'd say. I mean, uh, we just got to keep it up, keep up that intensity. Uh, defense will come. The offense will always be there. Okay, so this is uh, interesting with the with the Bulls. Bulls have won the last two. They've lost. They've lost two before that, but they've been so apparently like Zach Levine's been playing really well. So we'll see how it goes. Look, look, don't underestimate. Like the Kings have been have been terrific. They've been great, and like especially when you compare them to past uh, Kings team. Do not mark things on get. Do not mark like games on the calendar as guaranteed wins you're gonna set yourself up for disappointment that way but i very much expect the kings hopefully they'll they'll they should i hate to say it they should beat the bulls but don't be too but don't be too disappointed if they don't and it's not going to be the end of the world it is going to be sad but <laughs> you know like don't, don't don't jump off a bridge if they lose to chicago like they have been kind of like playing decent since uh since all-star break yeah i guess we shall see i mean if the trend sets i mean hopefully we can win against them they lost six games in a row recently jesus christ yeah the bulls so this is funny they won three in a row and then they lost six in a row okay (laughs) were any of those six winnable for them though so um check this out grizzlies nets Cavaliers, Magic, uh, Pacers, and Bucks. A little bit of a mishmash, but I would say none of those. I mean, like some of them are 50-50, but like yeah, there's some pretty tough opponents in there. Yeah. The Wizards are also very weird, but like the Br- Brooklyn Nets, I like I like this Nets team. Like with all those wings, that's gonna give the Kings a lot of problems on the second night of a back-to-back. The Wiz- the Wizards are weird. Like I can actually see them giving giving the Kings work. Hmm. Well, we'll have to see. Actually, is Beal back? Beal, she should be playing. I don't think he's injured. This Hmm. is this is one of the oh god, so it's so sad what the Wizards are going through. Won two in a row, lost two in a row, won one, one, lost three in a row, and then won against the Pistons today. I think. Yay! Yeah. Yeah, a bit of an up and down. I think are they in the playing? Let me check. Oh, they're in the play, and they're the 10th spot. Oh, they're fighting the Chicago for this. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> well, they hope the Kings win uh, tomorrow, and hopefully they win against the Kings on Saturday. So I guess that's how it's going to work. Put them all out of their misery. My God, the Wizards. Like, get, they, they're, paying, they're paying Bradley Beal a super max. Oh, geez, I don't know what the hell they're doing. They trade away Rui Hachimura for no reason. To keep Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma's good, but he they're gonna pay him an absorb like a preposterous amount of money this summer to be the fucking 10 seed next next season. Yeah, I mean, well, that's not the team we're following. So <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I, don't, I actually don't know anymore. I mean, it's been many years with the John Wall and Beal experience, experience, and now it's just Beal and 
a bunch of some, guys. Some guy. One yeah. year it's Russ, the other year it's Dinwiddie. Yeah, it, it's rough. Like, you know, hopefully they do turn around. Like the Kings managed to turn around. So you never know. Oh yeah, I mean they have a lot of good players, just uh, not working well with each other. I don't think. Man, my Johnny Davis prediction. I love Johnny Davis in the draft. The fact that he has not turned out, and I don't think he, I don't know if he'll ever turn out to be a good NBA player. Like that is sad for me. That's Let's a see. big. That's a big L on my part. Yeah, I mean, what you might call it? It drafted. Actually, yeah, last yeah, last year, right? Yeah, last year, Johnny Davis. Yeah, ten. Yeah. I think it's ninth or tenth pick, which uh, that does not look good right now. Like the fact that you drafted, I think Rui with the seventh pick, if I remember right, and you just trade him for three seconds. Like, like the reason why they've been so bad is they have not drafted well at all. Mm. Like Denny Avia, like remember, remember he was supposed to be the next Luca. Yeah, that ain't that that ain't that ain't happening. Yeah, I mean, what draft pick was he? He he was pretty high. Yeah, I, I want to say ninth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, I don't know. If it doesn't work in drafts, they got to work it in, in, in trades, I guess. How's that worked? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So. They, got, they got KP. They got Kuzma. I don't know what else, but yeah, it's yeah, it's not, not great. Kendrick Dunn. He has not played, I don't think. No, he's played. I haven't done much of him. I haven't. I'm not going to pretend I pay attention enough to the Wizards to know. But like the fact that I haven't heard anything probably isn't a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, since you have nothing else, and I am, uh, you know, I'm also done. So, uh, we're gonna call this an episode. Uh, we'll be coming back to you after the uh Brooklyn game because it will be a back to back. So we're gonna cover both games in one go. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys back on that episode. Yeah, we'll see you guys later.